0: This is Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg Radio. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. His name is Al Guido, and he is the president of the San Francisco 49ers and chief executive officer at Elevate Sports Ventures. I only wish we had more time to continue this conversation. This was absolutely fascinating. He has an amazing background. Uh, both as an athlete and as an executive, um, he really did some amazing work, uh, not only at the Dallas Cowboys, but with the San Francisco 49ers, helping them to create what is really a unique sports stadium in, in all of professional sports. The technology that they developed right there in the backyard of, uh, of Silicon Valley For enjoying sports, enjoying a facility uh, is is really, uh, there's nothing like it anywhere else in the country. Elevate Sports Ventures puts a lot of time and effort into finding new technologies, finding these things, commercializing them, and being able to share them uh, with other sports facilities and other teams. It's really a fascinating conversation. If you're remotely interested in sports, technology, venture capital, uh, you're going to find this to be really intriguing. So, with no further ado, My conversation with Al Guido. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You're listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. Today I have a special guest. His name is Al Guido. He is the president of the San Francisco 49ers, and he has a fascinating career in both sports and business. He was a wide receiver for the Powerhouse College of New Jersey before joining Comcast Spectacore-owned Philadelphia Flyers and 76ers. He moved to the Cowboys' front office during the building of the AT&T Park. He joined Legends, a well-regarded sports consultancy formed by the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees, uh, to help open the new San Francisco 49 ers Stadium. The San Francisco 49ers Stadium was named the 2016 Sports Facility of the Year, He was appointed president of the 49ers at the ripe old age of 36, uh, named to Sports Business Journal 40 Under 40. He is also a guest lecturer at Stanford and UC Berkeley. Al Guido, welcome to Bloomberg. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So you've had a a really fascinating career, and you're, you know, do you shave? You you look... (laughs) I do shave. How, it, how old are you now? I'm 38 right now. 38. So President of the 49ers, uh, we're going to talk about a few of the projects you're working on uh, that are really quite fascinating, but I have to begin with a really interesting story about you being accidentally blind copied on an email, and you said that was the email that changed your life. Tell us about that.
1: No problem. I went down to interview with the Dallas Cowboys for job that was titled at the time sales manager i was the vice president of sales for the phoenix coyotes i wasn't sure what the job entitled i got caught up in the title and the pay and not actually the project which which was a mistake Mm -hmm. i'm sure we've all been there i didn't handle the interview real well i was i answered the questions right but you know you have that sinking gut feeling when you walk out right where you're just like you know what i missed that one (laughs) So I get home to Phoenix. I wake up the next morning. I got an email in my inbox that says, you know, Al was great. You know, Polish certainly knows the job. Um, you know, not sure he has the passion. There's a family situation back in Phoenix. And so, you know, if we don't hire him, we're gonna have to reopen the search. Well, obviously, I knew it wasn't supposed to be copied on this email. <laughs> so this, this, this,
0: by the way, that reminds me of the curb your enthusiasm accidental yes, text, abs- the, right? The text by accident. So they blind, co- they copied Ch- you by accident. Yeah, with Jerry Jones, Stephen
1: Jones, Charlotte Jones, the entire Jones family, and uh, you know, you sit and stew for a little while. You're first, you're kind of pissed, right? Then you, then you decide you're going to write the email. Then you delete it. You write it again. And I just essentially I responded and said, "Hey, if you guys don't hire me, I think it'll be the worst mistake the Dallas Cowboys ever make in their franchise history." I and you also
0: up, were up front, "Hey, I know I wasn't supposed to be copied on yeah, this email, yeah, I but I'm glad I, I was."
1: I think it changed my life. I mean, if I wasn't, who knows? I would have done my follow-up call, I would have sent my thank you cards, doing all that, you know, all the stuff mm-hmm. you do when you try to land a job, but for me Everyone says, "Hey, it took a lot of guts," and I just feel like I had no other choice. Right, and uh, and so when ten minutes later Jerry Jerry calls and says, "You know," he says that that took a lot of guts. He didn't use those words, but it, that took a lot of guts. <laughs> but I respect it and like it. You're hired, and just like that. That's it. Wow, that was it.
0: The accidental email on purpose. That's I, right. I think this is a new NFL, uh, <laughs> a new NFL strategy. It sounds like something uh, Belichick created. Here's what we're gonna do. Um, so. Tell us about what the job was like at the Cowboys. What did you do for them?
1: Uh look, it was a game changer for me. I mean, we we went down there to open up a facility, you know, called Jerry World at the time. Now, AT and T Stadium. No one had ever thought about doing it the way that he was about to go embark right and embark on of doing it. the sunken... size scale. the The building was being sunk down fifty feet, he which,
0: was... by the way, is an amazing architectural feature. Yeah, Someone who's been to a lot of stadiums. You walk in, you're in the middle of the stadium. It's not like, oh my God, I got to walk up or down a thousand yards. You're like, it just feels, for a giant stadium, it feels so accessible. And then those immense screens.
1: It's amazing. The screens were the largest in all of sports at the time. The truss were the largest and heaviest in the world. I mean, really? it, it, you could fit the Statue of Liberty inside of Cowboys Stadium. That's standing how, up. Standing up. That's how crazy it was. Wow. And then on top of that, What we were doing on the sales and revenue side, just to give you a context, personal seat licenses in the NFL have been around for a long time. There's probably 20 teams now that have them. The largest PSL campaign in NFL history was the Carolina Panthers. They they raised about 150 million. Wow! With the Dallas Cowboys, we did over 600 million. Giant. And so it just changed sports forever. And and we did that and had a ton of success. From there, we launched Legends. Once Legends launched,
0: is the Yankees and the Cowboys, that's right. basically the two most successful franchises in each of their respective sports. You
1: got it. Uh, Randy Levine and Steven Jones and Jerry Jones and came together in the Steinbrenner family. They wanted to do Legends as a food and beverage company. You mm-hmm. know, So they formed this entity, and Goldman Sachs was the third party. They right. formed this entity around food and beverage. That was the only vertical that they were interested in. Then they decided, you know what, we can get into the sales industry. We, we said, hey, we can do this sales consulting stuff. Sure. Because everybody keeps wanting to know how we did this down at Cowboy Stadium. So let's Pay stop. Yes, and we'll tell right. you. So it's instead, you know, instead of giving away free advice. So we created <laughs> Legends. The 49ers were our first client. So I moved out to the Bay Area in late 2009. I was on the ground in 2010 as a Legends employee, stayed there till 2014 as a Legends employee. And then the York family. Um, brought me on board uh, full time to run the team in roughly yeah roughly 2014 right before we opened.
0: And that's the new new Levi Stadium in San Francisco. Yeah, new Levi Stadium because you come on as chief operating
1: officer. I come on COO. as chief operating officer. Mm-hmm. Run obviously all the business verticals for both the team and the stadium itself. What happened is when Jerry decided to do the PSL campaign the way he did, it changed sports financing in the NFL forever. Mm-hmm. Right? If you if you just Go 30,000 foot for a second. Most sports stadiums built in the late 90s or early 2000s were some form of private and public partnerships, Right. right? Tax revenues were going into these.
0: Which has always been a contentious
1: debate. Correct, very contentious, and there's really, honestly, there's not a lot of appetite anymore in the world today for taxpayers to pay for billion-dollar stadiums. Right,
0: you're a billionaire. You own a team that's worth t- three or four billion. Build your own stadium. Right, because the economics, be... and honestly, the economics have
1: changed. Right, mm-hmm. if you you know if you go back to the late '90s in the stadium boom where the Ravens came on board, the Steelers came on board, the Eagles built a new one. They're all they were all roughly three, four hundred million. Right, right. Very different from a now financial perspective. Now a lot more. Now you're talking a billion two when we were in Dallas, a billion four in San Francisco, four and a half to five billion in LA. I mean, the risk portfolio on these projects is dramatically increased. And yeah. so, what wound up happening is how, how you finance those projects changed. And, and that's why, look, we have the 49ers business. I'm also the CEO of Elevate Sports Ventures, which is a sports consulting firm that's literally built to handle this space because the game has changed relative to how sports franchises view their brand and how they monetize it.
0: So you play ball in college. You, uh, you operate as a business person in the industry. You grew up a fan. How do you reconcile those three different roles? Do they ever get confusing in your head?
1: Well, every time I walk into a venue now, it's a little different than when I was a kid, right? When I was a mm-hmm. kid, I was looking for wherever the popcorn was and the, and the soda that my dad would buy me, later in life, good beer right? Uh, and a hot dog. Now, I probably walk into a venue, I look at the signage, I look at the concession areas, I look at the arena operations, all the content. So it's changed, but... I still got that fandom in me, there's no doubt. That's why I love sports, right? Because it's it's the one place where you can sort of get away from your day-to-day life, the emotion and the passion that people have around their sports teams. I still have that day-to-day. Um, I just probably look at venues a
0: little differently. So let's talk about venues. You work with the 49ers to build Levi Stadium. These big projects are notorious for being late and over budget this comes in on time and and practically under budget how did how did you manage to accomplish this
1: Unbelievable visionary in Jed York. Got out in front of the stadium design. We we had a building that was 99% designed probably two years before we even put a shovel in the ground, mm-hmm. which was great for us. Is great. that not typical? Are there's always last-minute changes? Yeah, I mean, you, that is always last-minute changes. I mean, we used to joke that we wanted to kick Jerry out of the building, you know, Jerry Jones, out of his building for the six months leading up to stadium opening because he was constantly making changes. And by the way, it's what makes him great. It's what makes Jed York great. But we had a great construction team. We were lucky in the tech side because we we built Levi Stadium on three pillars: fan experience, sustainability, and technology. Being inside the Bay Area, we had the world's greatest technology partners. Sure, Facebook just went IPO. We literally hired the person who built the Facebook infrastructure to build our stadium infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So we came along at a really good time. Um, you know, the financing world was really good. Our team was starting to come along and start to perform. So a lot of things went well, but I got to say a lot of it is, is is I give credit to Jed York and the York family.
0: So you come on board as chief operating officer and then last year, was it last year you get promoted to 2 president? years ago. 2 years ago. 2 years ago, how did your role change? What are your job responsibilities today versus then? Well, they changed they didn't
1: change very much to be honest with you. What I would say is we've grown in nature. So, you know, when we set out to build Levi's, what I say is we're a sports and entertainment company that also plays football. Mm-hmm. Right, because the building itself, you don't build a 1.4 billion dollar stadium and only host 10 or 12 games in it. Right. it, makes no sense, right?
0: So, 12 if you're lucky,
1: that's right. So, we've now incubated a technology company, we have four, we've done 40 investments in the last two years. We have a restaurant concept, we have physical therapy centers that are now 49ers, we have 49ers fitness gyms that are branded underneath our watch huh. with a gentleman who used to run 24 hour fitness named Mark Mastroff. so co branded for fitness gym. So, we've taken our version vertical. Instead of looking at the three pillars of revenue, like every team writes suites, sponsorship tickets, we, of course, we have those. For us, it's why can't we take our brand and expand outside of our footprint, inside of technology, inside of land development. And so for me, my role hasn't changed much outside of the fact that the
0: company has grown tremendously over the course of the last two years. So here's the pushback for that. You have a a fan base that lives and dies with how Well, the team is doing, and they're a fairly loyal group. um, Because once Montana and Rice retired, you know, I would have, that would have been the last you saw of me for a while. Uh, But they stuck with the 49ers for a while. Do you run the risk of diluting the brand, of changing the fan experience? Because if you go to a game and it's a close game and they lose, you're dejected, but, you know, it's still part of the fan experience. If you go to a restaurant and you're not happy and it's 49ers, uh, logo, or you go to a gym and there's an issue, you don't quite have the same control of that fan experience. And it, it that has to be a legitimate risk, isn't it?
1: Listen, Barry, it's, it's a legitimate risk that every stadium arena owner needs to ask themselves if they're designing the building, right? It's, And, and I think that's the pillar and the vision that we look through, right, or the lens, I should say, is – Let's not do things that take away from the hero feature. And the hero feature, in my mind, is the play on the field, mm-hmm. right? If everything else is just additive, meaning if I could get you two in and out of the stadium faster because I use technology, you would say that's great. Sure. Right? If I can make the building safer because of the mobile ticketing platform and knowing the data, you'd say Great. If I could deliver food and beverage to every single seat in the building, which has never been done before, we did it at Levi's Stadium. We're the world's fastest pizza delivery company. We'll (laughs) deliver something to your seat in less than eight minutes. That's amazing. To me, it's what are the convenient things that you want as a patron inside of a venue that's going to make you keep coming back? And you know what? I can give you those. I'm not going to take away from what I grew up as a fan loving, right? Don't change the game on the field or give me too many bells and whistles that distract me. When I'm watching the game, I'm watching the game. But in football, as you know, we got a six-hour time frame. From the time you leave your house to the time you leave that parking lot, four of those hours are the game window. Inside of those four hours, only 28 minutes of live sports. Right. So are you telling me you're going to be disconnected from the world from the rest of that time? No. Now, look. NFL is different than baseball, different than the NBA. So what I would say is what we built is perfect for Levi's in the Bay Area. I'm not suggesting that you should just dump it into some other market. I think you got to build for each market.
0: So how do you measure the success of the organization? It has to be more than just win-loss record. It should be. I mean, look, the goals
1: of a football team are to win the Super Bowl every year. Mm -hmm. That's not the why or the purpose. right? To me... I measure success obviously by our wins and losses on the field, but in football, it's a tough business to be in. Right, fifty percent of the teams who make the playoffs don't make it the next year. Right, you know, generally speaking, three core things make you a consistent winning for football organization. Right, continuity within your front office, your ownership, your GM, your coach, a coach schematically that gives you an X and O's advantage, and we like to think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best in the business on the offensive side of the ledger,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then. It's pretty simple, a franchise quarterback. Right. And so, you know, if you think about the AFC, there's been three quarterbacks that have participated in, in you know, sort of the Super Bowl on the AFC side. You got Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger, sprinkler and a couple Joe Flaccos over the last <laughs> 17 years. Right. Right. So it'll just tell you what you need. On the business side, for us, it's all about fan experience, where we rank in the NFL. Obviously, revenues are a big component of it because we want to stay competitive with our other partners in the league. And we've gone from a bottom-tier revenue team in the NFL when we were at Candlestick Park, which is hard to believe, the five-time Super Bowl champions being at the bottom of the NFL in revenue, to now being a top revenue team with a massive global footprint that's arguably
0: second or third in the line of the NFL based off where you are. There has been so much news about sports over the past few weeks. We have to discuss some of that, and we'll get to it, but I have to talk about the new venture that the 49ers launched uh, with some partners called Elevate Sports Ventures. Tell us a little bit about what's happening with that. So I'm super excited to announce,
1: as part of Elevate Sports Ventures, which is a sales and marketing consulting firm working with landmark sports properties, arenas, stadiums, we have now brought on Oak View Group and a gentleman by the name of Tim Laiwiki, who is a titan in this industry. He Mm -hmm. built AEG. He was the president of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Oakview Group, for the last two years, has been spending time building arenas in the facility management space. And they were looking for a partner on the sales and marketing front to run all of their operations. So today I'm excited to announce that partnership and to tell people that we will be operating the new NHL Seattle arena that hopefully is going to come online once we get good news on June 20th.
0: Wait, waiting to hear a new hockey team coming to Seattle? And when that happens, a new stadium gets built with the help of Elevate. Is well, you know thing? what
1: I'm su- I'm super excited about? We didn't have to build a new stadium. What, we, what we're doing is we're spending about $700 million to renovate Key Arena.
0: You're almost building a new stadium. Yeah,
1: and what I would tell people, we're kind of in your backyard, right? So for those listeners who might be a New York sports fan, think about what happened to Madison Square Garden a couple years ago, right? Where they kept the historic nature of the garden, but they've redesigned and reimagined everything for I us.
0: I will begrudgingly admit it's a significant improvement. And I'm one of the people I'm a long suffering Knicks fan who wanna see them level that dump and put up a new one. But I have to admit it's gotten significantly better.
1: Well, I, I, I would agree. And I and and I think if you look at Key Arena in Seattle, right, for all the history around that, for the concerts, I mean you talk about a music venue. Sure. So we we've hired a populist Oakview group is funding the entire project. We are running the sales and marketing on behalf of Todd Liewicke, who's now the president of that Mm -hmm. team, who used to be the chief operating officer of the NFL. So we're beyond excited to announce that. We're also bringing on another partner, Live Nation and Ticketmaster, the world's largest content company and ticketing business. We feel as if we can bring Oak View's facility management properties and their consulting, along with our sales expertise, combined with the content and the technology that Ticketmaster will bring to bear, that we feel like we can work with any sports property across the, across the globe.
0: So that raises an interesting question. You have um, legends out there. This is essentially the same space. How many new stadiums are going to get either built or refurbished? Is there enough business for this sort of um, company? Or is it consistently the bottom, let's call it 70% of teams, need help in monetizing what they do. So its it, I would say
1: there's parts of it that are similar. Um, to answer your question of whether or not this is a big enough business, $30 billion is being spent or mm-hmm. has been spent in building, stadium, renovation, designs, development. So what I would tell you, this is a big space. Right. Sports business is only growing. There's no question about that. Our, our key differentiators from what they do, they're a food and beverage company and a sales marketing consulting firm. hmm OVG is putting capital at risk. They're funding these properties when they go into it, right? Oh, really? they're, they're, they're putting the money down. Oakview Group is funded by Tim Lewicki, obviously, uh, Irving Azoff used to be the ex-CEO of, of Live Nation, and Dolan, mm-hmm. right, the MSG properties, sure. and then uh, uh, Tim also took on some money from Silver Lake. So, we are actually putting capital at risk, and then going in and managing it on behalf. We're not just a fee-based consulting firm which is similar to what, that's what Legends does. I have nothing but respect for them. I work for them. They're tremendous people. I think there's enough to go around in this business. Mm -hmm. We think we have a a vertical and an offering that will reimagine the sports marketing consulting space. And and I think given just that we've been in the market 90 days, we now have a client in every single sport.
0: That's pretty impressive. So you've answered the question I was going to ask about uh, what do these consultancies do but you hinted at something else I have to talk about you mentioned the technology in Levi Stadium. what do you think is going to happen in terms of digital interaction and augmented reality and just the entire fan experience combining technology and and enjoying the game? I think this is the best time
1: to be inside of technology and sports and they're all sort of coming together. At the perfect, it's like the perfect storm, right? And
0: you guys are really in the sweet spot of that,
1: right? And it, and it starts with, well let's just at the core of it, it starts with safety. If you think, unfortunately, about the the events that are going on in our world today, sure, the incidents at in Manchester in that arena a couple years ago. It's becoming clear that fans now understand the importance of the digital footprint, the tracking mechanism, right? If you went to an airport, you would have never thought before that, hey, I could just give you my airplane ticket and you could go jump on that plane. So that's how that used right? to work. But that's how it and worked. nobody checked you that's on the way in. Right. And that's how it's worked in stadiums forever. But that, that, that time has to end. So once you take the utility functions of the technology, right, and what I mean is your tickets and your parking, great. But then what do you do? Do you even enter with a ticket or do you enter with biometrics? Mm-hmm. When you get inside the stadium, forgetting VR, right, of putting a goggle on, what is your AR? How are you using your AI within your chatbots and your services to you know to make sure that you can communicate with 70,000 fans? So to me, this is part of the why we created the venture arm and invested in all these technology companies because the game is changing. You, we've talked. We, well, I'm sure we'll talk about gambling. How does that work in venue? How do the, how does the mobile footprint, right? How do you, how do you, where do each venue, you know, how do you interact with fans given where technology and content is today? It starts with building the infrastructure, which is why to your last question is, is there enough business? All of these people are either building new or renovating to get themselves updated with the current needs of the world. The news
0: flow has just been nonstop. Have to talk about the Supreme Court decision legalizing state betting on sports. If I'm the NFL, I have to be salivating thinking this is an enormous revenue opportunity.
1: I think they're twofold. Everybody understands the revenue opportunity. The concern is the integrity of your game, right? And, and so what I think the NFL, when I know the NFL has stated in Roger Goodell is, look, we're going to follow this. The most important thing is the integrity of our game. We would like this to come down at a federal um, for, for the federal government to take a perspective
0: on this and not necessarily go state by state. Well, I think it's the, that ship has sailed, given the Supreme Court decision. It, it,
1: it may, you Unless know, there's congressional legislation. Correct. And it sounds like there's going to be. Either way, your point is well taken. Look, I think it's here. It's coming. Um, it's already coming. And the question becomes, you know, Adam Silver's already out there saying he wants 1% of all wagers placed <laughs> on the NBA. Look, that's, I don't, that's some nice cash flow. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen, but there's no question our IP is valuable in mm-hmm. the NFL. I am a firm believer that gambling and fantasy sports grows our fan base sure. long term. I, I don't think anybody would argue that what fantasy football has done for the NFL makes people tune in on the broadcast, makes people you know follow each individual player. So to me, I view this as an unbelievable positive now the next question is how do you roll it out, right? Do you go to the English Premier League route where you literally have cash boxes in every single stadium and arena?
0: And they're making bets intra-game. Yeah. will they make the penalty kick? What Correct. will they who scores first? It really is an amazing
1: Yeah, and if you think about football, right? Football outside of horse racing is probably the easiest sport because can you imagine the amount of prop bets, the downtimes, the every quarters, the kickoffs, the fi- You know, the coin flip, right? Right. Other sports generally probably that happen a little bit more faster paced don't have as many of those. So, look, trust me, as a person that operates, I got a couple hats, but, you know, the San Francisco 49ers business, of course I'm interested and I am (laughs) tuned in to what is about to happen. On the integrity side of the sport, there's no question that you have to think about it, right? Match fixing has happened in the world. Sure. And so... You know, you have, you have to at least understand how this is going to be regulated within your sport and outside of your sport. Um, but I, look, I, I view it as it's happening, it's coming, we need to get ready for it. I think long-term it's going to be a positive, so that's my take.
0: Look, let me put on my market guy hat and address integrity. So the way you make money fixing sports is having a long shot unexpectedly win and being on the right side of that. Now in Europe, where they've had sports gambling for a while, when an unseeded player in tennis beats the number six player, and and it's a pretty big purse, that immediately generates an investigation. So, and it, it the same thing happens in in the market if there's an unexpected takeover of a company, and there was some gee, why was all this stock option activity three days before this takeover? It's a red flag. You can actually use gambling as a way to, there's a temptation from nefarious people to abuse it, but the market can allow you to actually operate to maintain integrity of the game.
1: Yeah, I, I think you can. and But the examples you brought up are scary. You know, think about this, right? A football game might be harder, given that, you know, one-on-one matches, it's a fairly easier thing to do. But look at the Tim Donahue situation, right? Mm-hmm. In the NBA. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a player. It could be a referee. It could be right. a replay. you know, so you know, my thing is, you never want that in your sport because I do think that that would ruin, you know, ruin people's sure. perceptions of whether or not
0: it's a fair game. So you mentioned replay. Let's talk a little bit about a basic football question. <laughs> what the hell is a catch? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, you caught the ball, you maintained control, you hit the ground, and you still had control. It was a catch that seems to have gone away
1: like I'm with you I we we finally changed this rule this year we were all frustrated by this rule inside the league I mean I you'd sit in the game I'd sit in games whether in our venue or in other venues and you just like what you said I mean when I grew up right I knew exactly what I thought a catch was yeah control
0: of the ball what, yeah. that's it if it squirted out when he hit the ground it's not yeah a catch. the
1: whole like football move not fo- what is a football move and uh, I think we've gotten to the point right now you know catch two feet on the ground. That's it, right? Right. And if you, you know, this year I think the Jesse James, I think it's Jesse James, right? The extended over the goal line of Pittsburgh, right? Obviously, you know, when the ball then hits the ground, it moves. That that's now a touchdown when it, when it wasn't a catch right. before. Right. Look, it's not making Jerry Jones feel any better that Des Bryant's catch the in catch. Green Bay is yeah. now a catch and wasn't a catch then. And mm-hmm. I, look, I it's 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 easy for everybody in the audience today. This is where I think technology is both good and bad, right? When you and I were growing up, HD wasn't there. You couldn't slow-mo these things down. Right. It's a difficult sport. Every sport's a difficult sport to ref.
0: But even you know, even when you slow it down millisecond by millisecond, you actually create this fake right. thing. You have to look at it. All right, so here it is in real time, and here it is slowed down a little bit. But you get a distorted viewpoint with these super-duper slow-mos and ultra HD. That's not the real world. You might as well be looking at... You know, nanoparticles at that point.
1: Yeah, you're sort of paralyzed by all the replays and the analysis and everything else. And I think you're right. You you can push it too far, right? You have all this technology, which then allows you to do all these things and slow it down. But then it's paralysis by analysis. So you get to a point where, holy smokes, it's still just a game. Can't we just... Can we just
0: referee? It Did he and look make at the catch it? or not? It That's, should really not be. There shouldn't be lawyers involved. Yeah,
1: so I, I think we're. <laughs> I think finally we're simplifying it this year. This coming year, the new rule will be intact. I hope that it reduces the amount of discussion because you just don't want that, right? You want the discussion to be X and O's. Should have a coach. Should a coach went for it on fourth down? Punted gone for two, that's what you want when right. you're walking out as a fan, right? When I Look, when I walked out of games with my father, my mother, I, the whole debate was, should we have done this, should we have done that? It wasn't, should, was this a catch or not, right? right? It wasn't taking the, I never really even thought about the referees at that time, unless they threw a flag on holding or pass interference, right? The subjective calls, but... Right. You know, for the most part, you want people leaving talking about the game, not the referees.
0: So let's talk about—and and we caveated this before, but I'll repeat it. Al is not speaking on behalf of the NFL. This is his opinion. So he is not making broad declarations uh, on behalf of the league. But as long as I have you here, <laughs> let me ask you about celebrations in the end zone, okay? I have always thought that that penalty— was sort of weird. you have this unsportsmanlike conduct. If someone's being a jerk and taunting somebody, you could throw a flag at them. But somebody has an amazing play and they and in a big game and they score. Why not let them celebrate dance a little bit? What's the problem with that? to me, there's
1: there should be no problem with it. and And thankfully, the NFL last year allowed back in the touchdown celebrations because, look whether it's funny or not, i mean people called us the no fun league and i think you can become that a little bit and I, to me i i think it removes that connection from a fan to a player to a yes. team and and if you look this year and you know, obviously the super bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles not only were they known as a really good team they were probably known as the team that was most you know together cuz their celebrations their touchdown celebrations and their interception, interceptions they were doing dances out on the field mm-hmm. And I, you know, I go back to our history at the 49ers, whether it's the Deion Sanders dance, the Merton Hanks chicken. Like, at some level, you remember those moments because of them, right? The, the Icky fan, Wood fans shuffle. Fans love that. Fans love it. Fans. What, what I tell people is, and you're seeing it now how it plays out in content, right? Everybody watches the games, but the content that gets the most engagement is when you get behind the mask, Right. Or underneath the hood, and you learn about these people right. as 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 human beings. I mean, look at Tom versus Time, right, on the Facebook. You know, how many times do people get a, a, an in-depth look at how Time Brady lives his life? Uh, we need to do more of that as a franchise, as a, as a league. All leagues do because you want people now want a connection with their teams on a much deeper level than just wins and losses. That,
0: that's right. Brady is what? 53, 54 <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah.
1: still in there playing uh, amazingly. Look, it's an amazing story. I mean, however old he is, I mean, he's one of the greatest to ever, do ever it. ever,
0: one of the greatest ever. So, the celebration is one thing. That's an easy question. Let's talk about again, more news. The the we just heard about kneeling um, and the new rules the the owners have issued. I was under the impression that those sort of penalties, if you kneel, you'll be fined, are covered by the contract between the league and the Players Association. Do I not understand that correctly?
1: No. Uh, what it seemingly what came down to it was that the NFL will find the team. The uh, team will decide to discipline their player on their own.
0: Now, they give the player the option of staying in the locker room, during the national anthem, instead of kneeling, what happens if a dozen players don't come out? I mean, you're creating a possible. All right, now there's a new scenario here.
1: You know, it remains to be seen. I, I would say we we at the 49ers we've obviously dealt with this for a, for a mm-hmm. long time, right? Really? Because why?
0: What do you say <laughs> well, that? Why, why well, would it affect you more than anyone our, else? He our, said jokingly,
1: uh, our former quarterback, I should say, Colin Kaepernick started the movement. And look, what I, what I would tell you on this, our owner um, abstained from voting. He was one of the only owner, owners right. to do so. I think about it in this way, right? What We need to, somewhat in this country and in this sport, move from protest to progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, our owner um, has donated over $10 million the last two years to impact social causes inside of the Bay Area. We've seen our police um, and our communities grow a deeper level of engagement based off those things. You know, do I, would I kneel for the national anthem? No, right? Um, but I do believe that there's underlining issues in the world, and we as a community at the San Francisco 49ers believe that we should be in those discussions. And uh, it's sort of our job to be a good community partner and steward. And so we're going to keep working with our players. Um, I can't speak for what every other team is going to do, but for us, you know, we know that our players are not just there for the 16 or 18 or 19 games they play. They're an an employee of ours. They're a fabric of our community. Their kids go to schools in our area. So for us, it's find out what they're passionate about, help support them in that cause, help educate and and make people aware of the things that are going on in the world, and put money um, back into the community to affect change in a positive way.
0: We have been speaking to Al Guido. He is the president of the San Francisco 49ers. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure and stick around for the podcast extras, where we keep the tape rolling and continue discussing all things uh, sports, business, and football. Uh, We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at bloomberg.net. You can check out my daily column on bloomberg.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ritholtz. I'm Barry Ritholtz, you're listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to the podcast. Al, thank you for doing this. I I wish we had more time. I know you have a busy schedule this (laughs) week. Let's let's just do a, a quick speed round. I want to talk to you more about you and not just about sports gambling and Colin Kaepernick. So so in the five or so minutes we have left, let's plow through 10 questions really quickly. Are you ready? I'm ready. This will be a speed round. Most important thing people don't know about your background or about you? Uh,
1: I grew up in a blue-collar family. Father was a truck driver. Mother was an administrator. Um Unfortunately, I moved 13 times before I was 17 years old bankrupt two homes so um, you know my, my parents uh, did everything they possibly could to to give me a good life and i'm uh, I'm unbelievably fortunate for it.
0: Tell us about
1: your early mentors. My father from a work ethic perspective, um, you know my mother from a loving perspective in the business world you know I say I have three. Jim Vanstone taught me this business at the Philadelphia Flyers in 76ers. Chad Estes uh, with the Dallas Cowboys taught me how to be a leader and build great culture. And Jed York taught me how to be a visionary and an entrepreneur and think outside the box.
0: What players, business people, sports figures influenced your approach to thinking about the business? Wow. Players, sports figures. Um, Or business people.
1: Business people, I'll, I'll say a, a partner of ours who I've come to really love, uh, the CEO of SAP, Bill McDermott, has become a great friend. I love his sort of corner store deli to the corner office. Mm-hmm. The way that he runs his organization uh, from a culture management leadership perspective, it's good to know at that big of a company, the little things still matter most. Um, and SAP, what, the giant, the giant SAP software company. Yeah, because I just think that he, at his core... It's all about leadership, vision, why, purpose. Uh, to me, by far and away,
0: he's one. Of, he's been one of my favorites. Hmm. That that's interesting. Tell us about some of your favorite books. What what do you read? What do you find interesting? Sports, non-sports, fiction, non-fiction, whatever. I'm
1: a big, obviously, business book reader, but I'll tell you, my passion is in the uh, Simon Sinek is a tremendous friend, executive coach. His Start with Why book for me sort of changed it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, then, and then Leaders Eat Last was a tremendous opportunity to learn from the military, I think, to take military practices and put them in business world. Uh, so he's been an unbelievable mentor.
0: Hmm. Both, both really interesting names. What do you find most exciting about what's going on in the world of sports business today? I think that sports business teams,
1: brands, leagues are branching out into other areas is the most, is is to me, you know, you got the NBA doing e-sports, you got the NFL looking into development properties overseas. these, These brands are becoming global brands. They're publishers, they're content creators, they're storytellers, right, they're sales and marketers. They've, you know, they're incubators in innovation and technology. It's not just a sport anymore. What do you do outside of the office for fun? <laughs> I got three little girls at home, um, so my wife would tell me if I do anything outside of take care of my 9, 7, and 5-year-old, but that'd be too, too much. I love to play pickup basketball. Um, I, I enjoy a good golf round, although I haven't played in quite a while.
0: Tell us about a time you failed and what you learned from the experience.
1: Well, wow. I, um, I went into a, a, a job opportunity with the Lakewood Blue Claws, a single-A affiliate of uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, and uh, I wasn't as prepared as I thought I needed to be. I thought it was a layup job for me. Um, I, I didn't show up with, with my A game, is what you would call it. And, mm-hmm. I, and from there on out, I made sure
0: that there was never a time where I didn't show up with my A game. Recent college graduate comes up to you and says, I'm interested in the career in, uh, in the business of sports. What sort of advice would you give them?
1: Grit and perseverance. It's not an easy world to get into, but once you get into it, man, work your tail off because it, it is the best, in my opinion, it's the best job vertical you could be in. And the other thing I would say is be a sponge, learn inside and out how these businesses operate. It is not as simple as a movie theater. Don't just focus on the ticket someone buys. Focus on how the the don't focus on the end result. Focus on the how, the, how the how the how the how they got there.
0: And our final question. What is it that you know about the world of sports business today that you wish you knew a couple of years ago when you were beginning? Normally, I say 20, 30 years ago, but with you, I have to say a decade ago when you were first getting getting involved in this business. My largest
1: learning curve is to deal with the political specter. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, I think as a business person,
1: um, rational thought generally always prevails. Right. And in, in the politics world, that's not the same. And, and so to understand people's motivations is important. I don't say that in a negative way. I just think that you need to understand in every conversation what's important to the to those people. And politics and private don't always align.
0: Understood. We have been speaking with Al Guido. He is the president of the San Francisco 49ers. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure and look up an inch or down an inch on Bloomberg.com, Apple iTunes, Overcast, wherever finer podcasts are sold. And you can see any of the other 200 or so such conversations we've had. We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at Bloomberg.net. I would be remiss if I did not thank the crack team that helps put together these podcasts each week. Taylor Riggs is our producer booker. Uh, Medina Parwana is our audio engineer and producer. Michael Batnick is our head of research. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You've been listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio.